I have a word in my heart this morning that the Lord has been crafting for some time. And uh, I realize I need to, there's so much in my heart that I realize I need to kind of use my notes because uh, I go off on a tangent real easy. So I need to stay with what I believe the Lord had for us here this morning. Uh, and so I make no apology for using my notes, just to explain that that's why I'm doing that. Uh, it was a Sunday, much like today, uh, way back in South Africa, that uh, the Lord spoke a word to me and... Uh, our pastor was sharing, and it was a, a Sunday much like every other, but suddenly something he said just dropped down into my heart and, and occupied me for the rest of the meeting. I, I have no idea what else he spoke about except this, this word that dropped down into my heart. Now, that was back in 1978, and that's a long time ago, and the story is way too long to tell you all about it, but because it's not finished yet. And in fact, uh, me standing here in front of you this morning sharing God's Word is, is that story continuing to unfold in my life. Now, I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 4, and uh, I want to share out of these parables that Jesus taught. Let me just set the scene for you. He, he came outside and he began to teach, and uh, so many people rocked up that he had to get in a boat and go offshore a little bit so that the people there could uh, all hear him. And so, Mark chapter 4 says, He began to teach again by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered to him, so much so that he got into the boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depths of soil, but after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked it up, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus began then to explain to them what he had been doing and the reason for the parables. In verse 11, he says to them, To you has been given the mystery 
of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, get everything in parables. To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, he's, he's saying to them and to us this morning, this is how the kingdom works. This is a fundamental truth. This is something you need to get inside of you uh, because he says in verse 13, if you do not understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the parables? If you don't get this, you're going to struggle. And so he begins to explain in verse 14, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. The seed, in other words, that he's talking about in the parable is the word, or the word is the seed, whichever way you want to see it. And, and Jesus explains it in this way in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. I remember in those days how uh, uh, sowing was done. Uh, you'd have a big bag of seeds ar uh, around your your waist, and they would go out and just uh, cast the seed out into the ground and onto the soil. And that's the picture that Jesus uh, is speaking to them, and they understand it. And then in his parable, and in his explanation of the parable, he uses these different kind of soils to represent different kinds of people uh, in the way that in the sense of how they receive the word. Let me just say this, that Jesus identifies our hearts as the critical component of the soil. In the same parable, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 9, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So he's wanting us to understand that when he's talking about the soil, the seed landing in the soil, he's really wanting us to understand that that is the word coming into our hearts. The word coming into our hearts. So, in this parable, what Jesus is really saying is that there's some people whose hearts are like the soil that is hard and impacted, like alongside the road, uh, never been plowed up, never been cultivated, and when the seed lands there, the birds just come, and uh, it's like driving. They McDonald's for birds. They come and eat up all the food. Others like rocky ground, good old rocky top, shallow soil. And so the plants that, uh, the seeds that land there, the seeds uh, germinate, and the roots go down, but because it's rocky soil, they don't go down very deep. And when the sun comes up, he says, they wither quickly. Others' hearts are like soil that is full of weed. Thorns, among thorns. And when the, the plants germinate, the thorns just choke them up. Other is good, fertile soil, hearts that are good. And the crop grows in that and increases 30 and 60 
and a hundredfold. Now you know this parable, I'm sure you've heard it many times. And when we look at this parable, we tend to focus more on the four kinds of soil. And I'll come back to the, to the soil later on, but I want to stay for the, with the seeds for a moment. Because I, I really believe that because we have tended to focus on the soil rather than on the seed, we've missed the major point of the parable. Jesus said, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So this is a parable about the potential in the seed. And because we've tended to focus on the, the soils rather than the seed, in our Christian life as followers of Jesus Christ, what we have ended up trying to do is to make the soil accomplish what only the seed can accomplish and do. Because we've not understood the importance of the seed, we struggle to live the Christian life. We do all these things so that we'll look like we're living as good Christians. Nothing wrong with that. Not saying they're wrong. But the point is that all of our attempts to change our lives, to change our behavior, to change our attitude, to change our hearts through things that we do, outward actions will never ever produce the change that only the seed of the word can do. We struggle with sin in our lives struggle with health issues, we struggle with relationships, we struggle with the list just goes on. And it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? Sometimes it feels like we're just treading water. Or we're in quicksand and we can't get out. As I look back over the years of my life as a Christian, that pretty well describes how most of my Christian life was lived. I felt like I was treading water until I discovered that it's the seed that is sown that determines the nature of the crop. It's the kind of seed that is sown in your heart, in my heart, that determines what kind of crop will grow. The soil can affect and will affect how it grows. The soil can even affect whether it will grow or not. But you have to have the seed. And if you plant maidas, you'll never get taters. Now, if you live in East Tennessee, you'll understand that. If you don't, we need somebody who can interpret tongues. <laughs> Let's look in verse 26. At another seed parable, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed on the soil and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How him 
he himself does not know. In other words, he's saying the seed knows what it's supposed to do, knows how to germinate, how to develop. That's part of its DNA. He says in verse 28, the soil produces crops by itself. Good soil has all the ingredients it needs to produce a crop. Jesus goes on, he says, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain. And when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, there's a process that needs to happen. It takes time to grow and to produce a crop. You, you can't cram for the harvest like you can for your exam tomorrow. And he said there's a, another seed parable in verse 13. It's, uh, I beg your pardon, verse 31. It's about the, the mustard seed. Are we there? Yep. He said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? We're talking about the same thing here. And by what parable shall we present it? He said, it's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it's smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it's grown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Now, Jesus' point here is that it's not the size of the mustard seed that determines the outcome. It's the nature of the seed. It's what's in the seed. It's its DNA, if you like. And the size of the mustard tree is nothing to do with the soil. It's determined by the nature of the seed. It is a mustard seed. Jesus has another kingdom is like a seed parable in Matthew. Uh, chapter 13, and it, we read this. Jesus said and presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and showed tares or weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And then Jesus goes on in this parable to explain how the farmer dealt with the weeds in his crop. But the point that we need to get and hold on to, and I don't want us to miss this. Don't miss this. The point is that it was the kind of seed sown that determined the crop. Wheat produced wheat, tares produced tares. And I've said that over and over again this morning simply because Jesus said it over and over and over again because there's a fundamental truth here that we need to get a hold of or else we're going to struggle. In fact, if you think about it, all of life works on this principle, the principle of the seeds. Even your words and your thoughts and I could very easily direct your thinking and your thoughts right now by, by painting word pictures up here and you'd be gone. <laughs> I'd lose you. I know because I live with one of those minds. Let's go to the very beginning in, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. This is when everything was being made, created, 
And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. Plants yielding seed, fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. That's how it is. The soil or the earth, if you like, brings forth according to the nature of the seed. Seed produces after its kind. You could say that the, the soil responds to the seed, providing it with all the nutrients and, and water that it needs, but the soil does not determine or change the nature of what the seed is going to produce. It may stunt its growth, but it cannot change its nature. That's what we saw in Mark chapter 9 in the parable. Jesus said the, the, soil, the soil produces crops by itself. In Genesis 1.25, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind and God saw that it was good after its kind, after its kind. According to Genesis 1.11, that means through its seed. And that's true for us as humans too. And I'm not going to go into that because you understand that. But Galatians 3.16 says, for example, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. We multiply. As people, we multiply after our kind by the seed principle. Well, right there, you squash the evolution story, don't you? But Jesus understood this seed principle. In fact, Jesus saw himself as a seed. In John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus saw himself as a seed that would bear much fruit. Guess what? Here we are. We're fruit of that seed that fell into the ground and died. And we'll celebrate that a little later on. I want to, to bring together two important truths. Uh, trying to bring this all together for you this morning. And the first is this, that and, I, and I've repeated this over again, but, and over and over again. Seeds carry according to the nature of their source. Their offspring are after their kind. That, that's how it works. That's how the kingdom works. Now, Jesus made this statement in John chapter 16, verse 28. He said, I am come forth from the Father, and I've come into the world. Jesus said, I've come from the Father and I've come into the world. We all believe that he came as the Son of God. Now, if the seed principle 
works like Jesus said it does, then that means, that means that Jesus bears the exact nature of the Father. He's after its kind. And the scripture confirms us in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 it says, He is the exact representation of his nature. The ESV English standard says, He is the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus said in another place, I am the father of one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Now, please, 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 please do not miss this. This means that if you have been born again, if you made the choice sometime in the past, if you haven't done it, I hope you'll make it this morning, but if you made the choice to follow Jesus, you did so because you believed the words in here, in the word of God, are true. Is that right? You believe that the word, the seed received into your heart through your prayer would save you. That's what I did. And it works. That's how it works. Hallelujah. <laughs> I get excited about that. Now remember, the word is the seed. So the word will produce after its kind. The word in your heart will produce after its kind. You received into your heart the word, the seed of Jesus. And Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, talking about that, he says, You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. Imperishable seed, incorruptible seed. The soil can change, but the seed does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the same seed that Jesus identified as himself in John chapter 12, and I read that to you earlier. When he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. When you opened your heart to Jesus, his seed was sowed into your heart. It germinated. It took root. This is how the kingdom works. Jesus took up residence in your spirit by his spirit. And so the scripture says, you're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Paul says in Romans 8, 11, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And the scripture tells us that Christ in you is the hope of glory. In 1 John 4, 17, the, the word tells us that because as he is, so are we in this world. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that we 
might become the righteousness of God. You see, because the seed produces after its kind. My brother, my sister, you have the very nature of God in your spirit this morning. And you're not happy at all. That, in fact, is the good news of the gospel. That's far better news than that my sins have been forgiven. Because my sins have now been forgiven, God dwells in me. Mm. Wow, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because right here in the, in the seed bank is a whole cornucopia of blessing. And they all work the same way. That's just how the kingdom of, of God is. So write this down. If you want to tattoo something on your body, tattoo this. I'm not encouraging you to do that. But if you want to, put this. The word of God sown into your life will release the supernatural life of God in you. Second thing is this. Every seed contains a unique purpose and destiny. And I'm not going to say too much about this, but it's a really important part of the, how seeds work. Every seed contains a unique purpose and destiny. Back in Genesis, we saw that the seed principle is not just after its kind, it's also be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You see, in every seed, there's a harvest. A harvest both for now and for the future. Oh, I wish I had time to, to really go into this, but I, the Lord said no. It's about growth. It's about increase. It's about abundance. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So every seed contains the potential for growth, to be multiplied indefinitely. Every seed has many potential harvests. I did some maths last night with that. If I took one kernel of corn and added up how many seeds it would produce on one plant and then how many plants I could grow from that, and the figure just rises astronomically from one single seed. See, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20 goes on, he says, Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Doesn't only mean he's with Lo, it means he's with John, Maureen, Phil, Karen, Benny, all of us. I'm with you. Now, let me paraphrase that. Become a sower and start sowing. 
You see, we are the crop of others who did just that, who sowed the word. Someone else hadn't sown the word, you and I wouldn't be sat here this morning. That's all I'm saying about that very important principle. Let's go back to Mark verse four, chapter 4, verse 33. Jesus, uh, the, the scripture tells us that with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them. So even when he was teaching in parables, Jesus was sowing the word. He was speaking the word. In fact, that's what I am doing right now. And that's what Spencer does every Sunday. And whoever has the privilege of coming up here and sharing the word with you. That's what's happening right now with your children back in Camp Redstone. The seed is being sown. And I believe that this was not just the parable that Jesus used to illustrate a truth while he was sat in a boat on the side of, of Galilee. I believe, I really believe this, that what he was describing is what happens every single time the word is preached or taught or read or heard. Every time the word is sown in any form, the sower sows the word. That was the parable. The word of the kingdom works like seed. Hmm. That means that right now, amongst us, in this assembly, there are four kinds of seed, four kinds of hearts. Remember, Jesus identified our hearts as being the soil, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, verse 7 tells us. So there are hearts here this morning, just like those described in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Like the seed that was sown beside the wayside. And the scripture says, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes the word away which has been sown in them. That's scary. That means that some of us have hearts like that and the word that has been sown in your heart this morning just is going to land on hard, impacted soil. You won't get it. The birds will just come and take it. There are hearts here this morning that are like Jesus described in verse 16. Seed sown in rocky places. And when you hear the word, immediately you'll receive it. Oh, that's a great word. But you have no firm root in yourself. And so it's only temporary. And when affliction and persecution comes because of what you believe, it's gone. There are others here this morning whose hearts are like seeds sown among thorns. And you hear the word, and you get a hold of it and it begins to grow, but when you get outside, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But there are also some of, some of us on whom the seed will be sown this morning in good soil. 
and you hear the word and accept it, and it will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, I'm not judging you this morning. This is how Jesus said it works. And God knows your heart, and you know your heart. And I don't believe that I need to explain those any more than that, but I have some questions that relate to that. What seeds are being sown in your heart? Remember, you can do whatever you like with the soil, but it depends on the seed what fruit you will grow. Is the word of God the seed that's being sown in your heart? Or is it the word of ESPN or Fox News or wherever else you go? We've quit our TV. We only want this seed sown in our hearts. And we ain't missed anything. What seed are you sowing? See, your words and your actions affect the lives of others like the seed. Paul puts it this way. He said, you're the only letter some people will ever read. So it's important for you to answer this question honestly. What seeds are you sowing? How's your heart? You can have good soil and bad seed. Now, I don't think Jesus is wanting us to understand that this is an end point, that if you, if this, any of these describe you, that you're stuck with that. I believe this is, this is a description of the, the, the journey that we have as believers. In fact, my own testimony is that I started like soil beside the roadside. I, I was not interested. I didn't care. But way back in about 1966, a seed fell in my heart and took root. And I've been changed by the word as I let it take root in my heart, as I've believed it, as I've acted upon it. And so now there are fewer rocks in my, and there are fewer weeds in the soil of my heart. I'm slowly becoming good soil. Remember, it's a process. And my part in the journey has been to keep the soil good, to dig it up, to remove the rocks, deal with the weeds. But it's the seed of the word that has borne fruit in me and changed me. My struggle has been the same as every other believer that I have come across. We do not understand the role of the seed, the word, the scripture. And we try to make the soil our own efforts 
accomplish what only the Word can do. As I look back on those 62 years, I, I can honestly say that every victory that I've experienced, every single victory that I have experienced in my journey following Jesus Christ, victory over sin, victory over discouragement, victory over depression, victory over sickness, victory over issues in my marriage, in relationships with others, every single victory came when I began to understand and apply this principle of the kingdom, the word is the seed. It was the fruit of the word that changed my life. You know, it's not your love for God that will bring about changes in your life. It's his love for you. Working in you. And the way he does it is through the seed of his word. The word of, this, of God sown in your life will release the supernatural life of God in you. So let me just leave you with a challenge this morning. Expect this principle to work in you. Let the, the word of God, of Christ, richly dwell in you, Colossians 3.16. Deuteronomy 8 uh, verse 3 says, Understand that we do not live by bread alone. We live by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Come hungry and thirsty for the, God's word. Psalm 107 verse 5, They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. For he satisfies the thirsty soul. And the hungry soul is filled with what is good. Come expecting. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, Eyes not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for us. Folks, when, when we come together like this or when we come together as a family or when you come together as a community group or when you, you sit down alone with your word and begin to listen to it, come expecting the seed to change your heart. Isaiah 28:24 says, you can't just keep plowing up the soil. A farmer does not just keep plowing up the soil. And I've been there. Come with the soil of your heart prepared. Isaiah 30:23 says, he will give you rain for the seed. Listen to this promise. He'll give you rain for the seed, which will you will sow in the ground and bread from the yield of the ground and it will re be rich and plenteous. On that day your livestock will graze in roomy pastures. Somebody once asked Billy Graham this question. He said, if God is everything that you say he is, why are there so many evil people in the world? Billy Graham's answer was, if there's so much soap in the world, why are there still so many dirty people? Soap has to be applied. And so my question to you this morning, well, my question, 
if the church is having good seed sown at least every Sunday, why are Christians struggling so much? And why are there all these empty chairs if the kingdom seed principle is multiply, fill the earth? Well, now I'm meddling, so I'm going to quit. I want to sow a seed that Maureen and I found yesterday as we come to share in the Lord's table. When he was sharing for the first time uh, Jesus in John chapter 13, remember the story, he began to wash the disciples' feet, but it says that he was showing them the, the full extent of his love full extent of God's love. And uh, here's the seed we discovered yesterday in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, talking about God's love. Uh, it says, your love is better than wine. God's love's the best, better than wine. But if you go to the Hebrew, the word is, is strange because it's actually not your love is better than wine. It's your loves, plural, is better than wine. And in this wonderful book that we use, uh, written by Jonathan Kahn, we use as our devotional, he goes on to explain that when the Hebrew uses the plural like that, where we would use singular, it's because uh, it, it's way bigger than the singular would be. So God's love, you cannot just capture in the word love. It's loves. Loves. Many different ways in which he loves us. So he says it means that God doesn't just love you, but he has many loves for you. When you need his mercy, he loves you with merciful love. When you need his strength, he loves you with an encouraging love. When you're wounded, he loves you with tender love. When you need the love of a friend, he loves you as a friend. When you need to be lifted up in his arms, he loves you with compassion. Of a loving father, he loved for you is many. He loves you every morning. And when Jesus took the bread and broke it that first time with the disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you, it was another way of, another way of showing us his love. That in our brokenness, or I beg your pardon, in his brokenness, we would have wholeness and fullness and abundant life. By his stripes, the scripture says, we were healed. And then when he took the blood and poured it out, 
and shed it. He said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. It was another example of his love that our sins would be forgiven. We sang in that song, our sins are many, but his mercy is greater. Great words. So as you come and share, and I invite you in a moment when I pray to just go around to the different stations and to enjoy this meal together, uh, I'd encourage you to get with others and uh, pray together. Do it, Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. Remember how much he loves you. Remember what he has in store for you as you eat by faith the bread, his body, the blood, and the wine. And if you have a special need in your heart, if God's planted a seed this morning and you need to deal with it, uh, Phil and Karen are at the back there. They would be love to pray with you and just help you walk through that. So, Father, we thank you for your amazing grace, your amazing love, expressed to us so eloquently in this bread broken for us and your blood poured out for us. Help us to receive it this morning. Perhaps as a seed in a new way or even for the first time. We receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.